Welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast, the show that helps runners and athletes in running-based sports transform the way they run. Here's your host, Tyson Popplestone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Relaxed Running Podcast. Tyson Popplestone here, and today you're in for an absolute treat. I am joined by Alexandra Alice, coming at us from Los Angeles, and she's a strength and mobility coach it's a, a really fun conversation this chick's really cool it was a really cool really informative chat about not only the ways that us as runners can add value to our running performance but touches on recovery techniques and dealing with common injuries like rolled ankles and itb pain and knee pain and she addresses some of the frustrations that she has in the industry when we see a physio or we see a doctor and we're given broad labels of what's going on without any clarification on what any of that means. So she breaks that down for us. She works with us to help us understand some of the practical tools that we can apply to our weekly training schedule in just simple little steps to not only feel better, feel pain-free, but also take our running to hopefully a brand new level. So it was a really fun conversation. I've linked her website and a couple of things that we spoke about in the description below. So if you're interested make sure you check that out. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this uh, this fun conversation with myself and Alexandra Alice. I was, I was, well, first of all, before I hit record, I was just telling you how grateful I am because I was convinced that uh, Alex was going to run away on me and never do a podcast <laughs> again. Because about, what was it? I think I contacted you for the first time about, it was probably a month ago. And then there was a podcast organized for the next week and and sadly, my uh, my good mate lost his his dad who'd been sick for a while, and I thought, oh, she'll understand this. Like, and then two weeks later, uh, <laughs> my little baby boy came into the world two weeks early, and I thought, well, okay, now it just sounds like I'm just making up no. a uh, far more exciting and dramatic <laughs> life than what I actually live. So I'm so glad that you are uh, that you had the uh, the grace to to come on the show, and I know people are really going to appreciate it because. Well, I think people are going to notice a little bit of a trend and it's probably uh, a trend that followed my curiosity uh, the last couple of, probably the last couple of years. I'm fascinated by obviously the world of health and well-being, more specifically running. That's what the foundation of this podcast is about. But the work that you do in mobility and strength and just helping people get a body that doesn't hurt essentially is uh, is really interesting to me. But Without me trying to do any introduction, I thought maybe a nice way to kickstart the conversation would be to handball it to you and yet let you give people a little bit of an overview of who you are and what specifically you do. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, life happens. I get it. I've also been that person who I'm perpetually late, always. So <laughs> I'm, like, very graceful. I'm like, I get it. Like, life happens. No worries. <laughs> so glad to be here, too. Um, yeah, I where to begin? Well, I'm a huge body nerd and I know you're a running nerd. Um, uh, my interest really is in exactly what you said of helping people move better and feel better because I think there's this like generally accepted idea that as we get older, there's some amount of pain we just have to put up with. And I think that's nonsense. And so I'm here like, and that's my mission. That is the hill I'm willing to die upon is that life without pain is possible. And I know for runners, especially like running is not just an activity that you do. It's so much more than that. It's, you know, mental health and clearing your mind and it becomes a part of your every day. So when you have an issue or you have an injury, 
your choices are to like keep running, um, to ignore it. Or when you eventually do find yourself in the office of a physio or a doctor or something like that, they're going to tell you, well, stop running. But like, how do you stop doing something that is a part of your DNA? And that's where I find body maintenance and mobility really kind of fit in to help you maintain your body so that you can keep doing the things you want to do on your own terms. And it's honestly no different than how we maintain our like dental health. When someone says, well, you got to brush your teeth and you got to floss, you know, twice a day. Okay, no problems, like no argument there. And then I say the same thing. Well, you know, maybe like 10 minutes a day, you should roll on some balls and like maybe do some exercises. No, I don't have time. I couldn't possibly. And I'm like, it's not, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but enjoying life without pain, feeling good, no matter what your age is, is absolutely possible. And so that's what I help people do. It's it's so interesting. And I've, I'm 35 and I noticed this six or seven years ago, which to me, even at that time was really funny. I, uh, I'd been running with a few people and, and one of the guys, I remember he was 28 at the time and he, he said it with all sincerity. He goes, I'm getting too old for this. I was like, mate, <laughs> you're, you're 28 years old. Like you're a young Sit guy. Sit down, child. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and no one in the group really flinched. It was, I don't know if people were being polite or whether it's something that people <laughs> buy into, but I've, I've definitely noticed it. And even more so now, like I notice a lot of my friends, will make that call. Like if there's any pain whatsoever, I was dealing with a little bit of a, a calf strain a while ago and tongue in cheek, but with an element of seriousness to it, one of my mates that goes, he's like a, he's like, Tosh, you're just getting old man calves. And I was like, well, no, no, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily what it is. What do you think it is about people aging and just throwing out numbers and using it as a bit of an excuse as to, I don't even know if it's meant to be an excuse. Excuse. I think people just fall back on the idea. I'm getting older. Pain's going to come deal with it. Yeah. Well, I think we honestly don't know a lot about our bodies. And even when you, again, go to healthcare professional, they have these like almost like cutesy names to like help you better understand something like a runner's knee. Like, okay, but like, what does that actually mean? You know, it's an issue with the patella and having some inflammation there and actually calling it like patella femoral disorder would actually say what it is, but we get almost like kind of brushed off by the medical industry into actually teaching you what's going on with your bodies. Now, as a, a woman, when I go take my car to get serviced, like I have like my hackles all up because I'm like, they're going to tell me there's like a unicorn in my like gas pipe or something. I don't know. <laughs> but we go see the doctor Right. And we just like take what they say at face value because we don't know the, like what's going on. So I think that's a part of it is like there's this fear of any sensation that comes up in your body. And then you go to Google and like two search items down, it's like you probably need surgery and like a whole new joint and like something super catastrophic. So I think understanding more about the sensations that come up and that like pain also doesn't have to be permanent is a huge piece of it. Um, also as another 34 year old, right. I hundred percent agree with you. There's like a time where you're like, man, I used to get away with so much, right? Like I could do, you know, some crazy stupid workout and be like really sore the next day. And I'm like, no problem. And like, I didn't have to worry about it at all. There are changes that happen to the collagen and how fast things turn over in our bodies as we age. So like 
I mean, it's like with alcohol too. I don't drink like I did when I was 18 because my body just doesn't process it the same way. And like movement is similar, you know, there are again, body maintenance, things that you can do to address even your calf tension. Um, that'll help you to feel better so that you can keep running, keep working out, keep doing whatever you want to do without worrying about things like breaking down, you know? Yeah. It's a message I need to keep hearing because though I know this and though I have this conversation with you in the moment, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting old man calves. That is what it is. <laughs> and it's, it is funny. I like your point about just labeling what's actually going on. Cause you're right. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what runner's knee was or tennis elbow was, but I, mm -hmm. just being able to put a name to the actual condition is, is really helpful. And, and for me, it was interesting because I, I started just doing a little bit of a Google, as you said, and uh, I found that for me, there was maybe a little bit of tension in the calf. And I gradually over time just started introducing a little bit of self massage in and doing a little bit of skipping and some resistance work there. And, and for the last six months, I've, I've had no issue and I've only increased the amount that I'm running. So I was like, okay, well, obviously old man calves wasn't a legitimate excuse. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was more almost an uneducated overview of what I assumed was going on. But it's uh, you're in good company here because I, I can guarantee that people out there would be feeling exact or would be able to relate to you know what you're saying and definitely what I've saying about my old man calves. The running world is heavily focused on making sure that you're out there and you're doing your running. And I think the strength and mobility side of things is um, it's really improving the last couple of years, maybe just my awareness of it. But it seems to be more of a regular part of so many people's training. But the one element I get super frustrated with the strength and conditioning world is I get overwhelmed by how much information there is out there. And what I like mm -hmm. about your stuff, and I've, I've listened to a few of your interviews and had a good look over your website, I, I feel like you've got a really nice ability to break down complicated ideas and put it in a way that's structured well and easily implemented so that a runner can start developing these elements of their life. Like, are you able to walk us through that a little bit? Is that a, a is that a focus of yours to really break down these big, overcomplicated terms in able uh, in order to be able to teach someone how to put it into practice in a more simple way? Yeah, I think. I mean, being a body nerd for sure. Like, anatomy is fascinating to me. Um, I like my interest in like biology too started in high school. Um, and so my degrees in exercise biology, I did anatomy in university. And then even after university went on to do another cadaver lab for funsies. <laughs> like it was, just, I wanted to, um, so like, I'm so passionate about the body and anatomy and being able to break that down to help, again, just like to help people better understand things is just always been a magical gift that I have. Because um, again, I feel like if you understand a little bit more about the structure of, you know, what's going on, whether it's your feet, your plantar fascia, the calves, Achilles, like all of that, then you can have a more informed conversation with your coach, with your healthcare provider, with your chiropractor, like whomever, because you have a better understanding of what's going on. And then you also have more confidence to troubleshoot a little bit, just like you did, right? Like, let me work on some self-massage. Let me work on some strengthening, which actually I find like the key to mobility work and staying out of pain is honestly working on strength and not just like the big moves of squats 
and deadlifts, but also the smaller, more boring moves like calf raises and hip circles and things like that. Um, but yeah, if you understand what's happening, then I feel like you're like, okay, well, let me just try this and see what happens. It's not such a big, scary, confusing thing when you kind of understand what's happening. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, mobility to me is almost like a, an umbrella term. Like I understand roughly what it means, like your ability to use your body well or use your body effectively. But when we say mobility, are we, are we referring to, is that flexibility, that strength, that's things like yoga, um, does all of that fit under this word mobility? Yes. Great question. <laughs> so I um, used to teach yoga and my background, once I graduated from university, I did, you know, was teaching yoga and went through um, like 500 hours of training, all of that. Um, but I also am hypermobile and have like inherent joint flexibility that will never go anywhere. You're so the kind doing of person- something. I hate being next to someone like you in a yoga class because I'm like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to compare, but she can touch her toes without any issue. I'm sorry to interrupt. I just had to let you know. No, no. But it's not always helpful because (laughs) when I was like the most flexible and I had zero stability in my body, like I remember taking a class and we were doing like back bends and for sure I can do the movement. And then I'm laid out in bed for three days after because my whole body is like, what just happened? So I knew, and also too, like, I feel like this happens in the running world all the time as well. Oh, your calves are sore or they're tight. We'll just stretch them. Right. But like, that doesn't always work for people, uh, for a lot of people, because oftentimes you need to build strength. So I was like, okay, I like yoga and I like flexibility for people who need flexibility, but honestly, more of what we need is control of the joints at any range of motion. So to me, mobility is both that strength and flexibility. And I feel like a lot of it, just this video I saw on TikTok too, they're like crawling around on the floor. I'm like, that looks awesome. But how does that help me when I can't even bend over because my back hurts? So I feel like for most people, mobility is learning how to hold yourself in better positions, having the endurance and strength to stay there and to be able to stabilize yourself through whatever movements you want to do. And a lot of what I do with people is addressing the tension that might be preventing that with self-massage, therapy balls, things like that. And then the strengthening piece of it isn't so much like a bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of business, but more of just reminding your brain and body how to work together to reestablish that movement pattern and that movement habit instead of whatever slouchy compensation injury stuff that has been there before. Sorry, you cut out a little bit in that last that last little bit. Oh, no. I, uh, I I missed the last little half of that sentence. It was so good as well. I uh, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> no, I got you, I got you. So what, what were you saying? Sorry, that last that last little part of the sentence. Do you remember you were talking about the slouchy nature of so many oh, people? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you know, and the mobility for me is bringing in the self massage and the therapy ball work to address any tension that might be preventing you from getting into your best posture, your best positions, instead of the injury compensation or the, um, you know, slouchy positions or just like, whatever it's been, that has been potentially, you know, contributing to the issue. It makes so much sense. I feel like this has been a hot topic the last 
couple of years as well, I've noticed, is just the way that our modern lifestyles impact, not just our running, but our ability just to move around in a healthy way. And my mum works as a, a personal assistant in a hospital and, you know, she's pretty comfortable. She'll go in there and she's, she's pretty much on her bum for eight hours a day. And it's just a normal part of her life. She's not necessarily mm-hmm. interested in health and wellness like I am. It's just, it's just a part of what she does for her, uh, for her work. But is there a big correlation from your perspective in people who work a fairly sedentary style life and the, the issues that come up? Because you often hear people talk about how constantly looking down at your phone is, is, is causing upper back problems and neck problems and things. Do you see a lot of that? Like how much of an issue is that really? I feel like it does matter, of course, uh, but a lot of the people I work with are already active and moving around, but like pain is kind of in the way. Because I feel like if you are mostly sedentary, sort of like your mom as well, it's like if there's not something she like wants to do that she's like being limited to do, there's not really that like push to do anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but for those of us who are super active, when you have a pain or injury, um, just kind of cleaning up your movement and bringing movement in a, like more movement variety into your day. So that's something simple like um, right now I'm standing at my desk and talking to you so that when I go melt into my couch later, like I don't worry about it because like I've done other movements, you know, or um, when I get on my phone, sometimes I'll like drop down into a squat to do it because then I can hold my phone up at eye level and just, you know, bringing more movement variety into your body in a way that your normal day to day doesn't give you. Because even though I'm standing, like I'm on a computer all day, like <laughs> how yeah. do you run a business, you know, in the modern age and not be on a computer? So my mobility practice is addressing, you know, tension at the front of my shoulders from being on a computer all day and making sure that I'm working on my upper back and strengthening that to bring me back to my baseline of better posture. Yeah. How do you structure your week around strength and mobility? Because I know it's a very individualized thing. And as you said, different people come to you with different issues. But as someone who's uh, heavily involved in the field, I'm just curious to know how like your days revolves or how you choose your exercise based on days or like, is there muscle groups that you work at a certain time or do you alternate strength with flexibility? It's just a, it's a fascinating topic. It's just one that I'm really (laughs) curious about. Yeah. Um, so I like to do uh, weight training two to sometimes three days a week. And mostly what I do is like a full body type of program. So I am following some programming now, um, deadlifts, squats, overhead presses, just like the basic stuff. Because also I'm not training for a race. I'm not training for a competition. Like I'm just training for life. So making sure that I'm moving in you know, good form couple times a week and picking up heavy stuff. I'm also waiting for some new dumbbells. So it'll be even heavier stuff. I'm very excited about that. Um, and then mobility wise, um, I like to do it actually paired with like my evening television with my husband. So we'll watch a program. If I'm not melting into the couch, I'd say nine times out of 10, I'm on the floor rolling my feet out or rolling my hips out or doing something because you can still watch TV and work on the self-massage exercises, whatever you need. Now, I also acknowledge like it's easier for me because it's all like up here in my head. I don't have to watch a video. That's also why I encourage people like it doesn't have to be something new 
every single time you do it. You know, you can pick some body area again for you, like with the calves, I know it's not an issue anymore, but like, let's say that still was bothering you. So figure out, you know, I want to do this mobilization and roll here and then do this, this type of strengthening stuff and then stick with that for like four weeks because then you're able to accumulate enough time to decide like, is this helping? Is it not helping? And also it's not as much like energetic brain work to come up with something new every single time. So I'll stick with, I have like my baseline of things I need to do on a regular basis. Like I mentioned, like upper back, just like being on a computer and dealing with that. And then other specialty items um, I'll bring in in the evenings, like three times a week when I'm sitting in front of the television doing that type of stuff. Um, And that honestly is enough. So like keeping it super simple so that you, again, can accumulate time doing that thing. But then also it's not like another piece of programming or like another workout that you have to do. It's just a simple kind of maintenance thing. Yeah, I've got a similar routine, I think. I uh, I often also just fold up in the couch at the end of the day. And I've been trying to be a little more disciplined with because we've got a, I'm looking at it here, I'm using it as a, like a sound protector at the moment. It's like a big baby mat. <laughs> it's a big baby yeah. mat that our, our little man can get on and, and just have a crawl around on. And whenever I'm down there, I, I do a similar kind of thing. It's almost like play. It's fairly unstructured kind of, uh, usually for me, it's just stretching. I've got a foam roller. I don't use it enough. I'm, I'm going to pick your brain about that in a minute. <laughs> but I like, I like the idea of, um, as you say, it doesn't have to be structured necessarily. It's just another form of movement. And I think often it can be, it's like when I was new to the gym, uh, about seven years ago, I started going to the gym after I finished competitive running. And I remember walking in, I was being overwhelmed by all the different exercises. And at that time, I had absolutely no idea about how people train. I didn't know, like some people did their biceps and triceps. I'm like, other people like, now you've got to do your back and your chest. And I was like, I don't know. Like, hey, you guys all seem like you know a lot more than me. And I definitely don't trust any of the opinions that I'm having right now. So <laughs> over time, obviously with like a, a, a lot of questions, a lot of reading and things like that, I, I feel as I've got a, a, like an element of a fair bit of confidence in the workout routine that I have now. But what I love is because so much of my day is structured, I love that free time kind of thing. It's just an ability mm-hmm. just to just to be able to switch off while you're doing something else you enjoy. So I'm glad that that's a um, you know something that you recommend. Even someone with your level of professionalism in this industry still is having a bit of fun, you know. But yeah. the foam roller, the foam roller is another one, and I, I like that you said this, this on your website because you were I think it was on your website. I could just be making that up. You're speaking about a lot of people just have no idea about how to even start with a foam roller. I kind mm-hmm. of don't. Like I've got a rough idea. I've had a foam roller for years. I've rolled on it a lot. I, I couldn't tell you if I'm doing it right. I couldn't even tell you how many times a week I should be doing it. Or what? Can you give us a little bit of an overview of some of the benefits? Like, obviously, yes. we know it's going to address some muscle tension. It's going to hopefully hit down into some of the little tension points. But is there anything else going on? And how do we, how do we, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, structure a little bit of roll time? Yeah. So first of all, like. I have a foam roller too, and it sits in the closet and it collects a lot of dust because um, you've probably rolled your IT band before and it felt oh. like murder and you're oh, like, wanna, I'm yeah. never going to do that again. I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like crying just hearing you say that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows, right? It feels awful. So I actually prefer to use therapy balls that are about the size of like a tennis ball. 
but are much softer than like a lacrosse ball, for example. Because like I know lacrosse balls are super popular. They're easy to get your hands on. They're very, very hard. So if we're thinking of, you know, like body tools, a foam roller is kind of like a paint roller. You know, it's big, it's broad, but it's also imprecise. Whereas a therapy ball that's smaller is able to get into nooks and crannies and create you know, stretch not only in the muscle tissue itself, but like between tissues and within the fascias and that connective tissue as well. So it also doesn't hurt nearly as much a softer tool. So that's that alone, it being more pleasurable and enjoyable will allow you to do it more often. Um, So how to like bring it in, I would say just start with what hurts and roll that out. And of course, with therapy balls, uh, there's more techniques that you can do, you know, uh, for the calf as well. You could put uh, the therapy balls, you know, just like put your calf on top of it and roll it that way. Or you could do one ball on either side of the calf if you're sitting and make like a kebab almost. So it also gives you some more uh, variety again in how you're actually using the tool. And it just doesn't hurt nearly as much as foam rollers or lacrosse balls. So I would say, I know, and this is, it's awful. I'm just even, I mean, not to say that like using therapy balls on your IT band doesn't also feel like gross. Um, (laughs) but you know, what we're really trying to do is have a conversation with the nervous system right? And to have your nervous system also relax into this self-massage that you're doing. So if it is so intense and so painful that your whole body is in tension, or you are just like, and can't even take a full breath, it's not making any change happen. Like if you were laying on a massage table and like clenching your teeth and holding your breath the whole time, how would you feel when you walked off? Like not great, you know, but we do the same thing with our self massage. And then we're like, well, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And that's why I think foam rollers are so dusty and alone in so many corners. So I would say start with uh, a better tool that's going to be more kind to your tissues and more enjoyable and how it feels. Um, And then roll what hurts. For runners, for sure, the bottoms of your feet are a great place to start. Calves, um, quads, hips, the IT band, nobody likes, but it does feel really good. Um, Upper back, like you could roll everything, but again, like pick one body area, like I mentioned, stick with that for at least a couple weeks and just see what changes you're able to make. Beautiful. Yeah. So were you saying with the tension that you store so often when it's super painful, You'll leave mm-hmm. that massage table or you'll leave that roll and it doesn't feel as though it's done anything. Is that just because the muscle's so tense you haven't been able to access any of the deeper levels of it? Or what's going on there? Because I, I noticed that as well. Like I used to have a I used to have a like a massage therapist that I would see and he had a reputation for just being he was just horrible in the sense of I mean he was a lovely person, <laughs> so but his hard. hands were his hands were so strong. So every time Wednesday <laughs> came around, I knew I would finish my run and the real, real workout was about to begin. And I don't like to cry in front of grown men in uh, the, the wrong situations. And that was one where he had me on the brink of it so many times. And it was always brutal for a couple of days. But I often noticed if I could, and, and it, was, it seemed ironic, but he would often say, just relax into it as much as you can. Because if mm-hmm. you can learn to relax with this tension, the pressure, it's going to be more helpful to your muscles. And it always felt horrific for a couple of hours after. The next morning, I was always very sore. But then mm-hmm. I think one or two days later, it started to feel as though it was maybe paying dividends a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, and also with therapy ball stuff or anything you can do for yourself more regularly, that just means like that surface level daily kind of buildup of tension, so to speak, is addressed so that when you do go see massage therapists, they can actually work on the deeper stuff because you've dealt with all of your just regular day to day kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, do it regularly and your massages will be so much more delightful. Yeah. But tension also, it's like, why are we tight in the first place, right? Why does this tissue feel restricted? Why does it feel like maybe even hard, like whatever? Uh, It's going to be overuse of the area, underuse, um, misuse, or like a compensation kind of thing, or injury. And it's tightening up because your body's trying to like protect it, right? So oftentimes that tension is a direct result of like some other movement pattern going on. And I know... And I'm not even 100% sure like where this idea came from, but like we like to think, well, harder is better, right? If I go at it with a harder tool or I go at it for longer or I just like really dig in there, that's obviously better, right? But like you also mentioned, it's super sore after um, because you're fighting with your body's own protective stretch receptors that are trying to prevent overstretch from happening. And yeah, I can kind of breathe into it, but I think that pain and that sensation and learning how to work with it instead of fighting against it is also really valuable. So we can't blast through our fascia. We can't, um, like your collagen is so, so, so stinking strong. My, um, anatomy mentor is a man named Gil Headley. He, if you think I'm nerdy about anatomy, he is like super, super (laughs) nerdy about anatomy. And so, um, I did a cadaver lab with him and he, he did this whole other one and like we're sharing videos from it, but I just distinctly remember they cut a sheet of fascia. So fascia is a connective tissue. It's like a body wide web all throughout our body. We're familiar with famous fascias like your IT band. That's deep fascia. The plantar fascia is another kind of fascia, but it is wrapping around and mixing through like every tissue in your body, muscles, nerves, ligaments, all of that. Um, So they cut a sheet of superficial fascia, the fascia that's just below the layer of your skin. And I think it was like the abdomen. So we think, oh, it's just like adipose. It's just like fat, like whatever. But then I think it was like 60 pounds or something of weights that like clipped to it. This is like super weird, super nerdy. But they were able to pick it up with the sheet of fascia. And you could see the fascia stretch, but like it doesn't tear. I know, don't worry. It's a cadaver. It's okay. But your fascia is super strong, right? That's why you are able to pick up your kids. You're able to pick up, you know, a 50 pound bag of dog food or whatever. And like your arms don't fall off. So the idea that like I can take a foam roller and roll hard enough to actually break anything apart. It just, it doesn't work that way. What's really happening is this conversation with the nervous system to be able to relax into the stretch and adapt to the stretch. And that doesn't happen from one super intense session, but from multiple sessions over time. And that's where that consistency piece really comes in. Then to really seal the deal, this is where those strength building activations that I talked about. So um, again, for the calves, uh, I'm going to roll out my feet probably and my calves, maybe even my shins to address whatever tension and compensation patterns are happening. And then to activate and help my brain and body get reconnected in a more efficient movement pattern. Maybe I do an exercise like a heel tap 
where I balance on one foot and then tap the opposite heel to the ground. Super simple. But then your body goes, oh, this is what it is to move without pain. And this is how plantar fascia and the calf muscles and the shins and the hips and everything is supposed to work together. Oh, I don't have to keep doing that same pattern that's leading to the tension in the first place. That's so interesting. One of the things that I, I do at least once a week, and I actually follow a bloke. I don't know if you've heard of Travis Elliott. He's a, no. he's a YouTube yoga teacher. I think he's based in the LA, in LA. He's got a pretty big following, but he's got some awesome yin yoga classes. And often yeah. as I'm going through some of those classes, he'll talk in the background about just stretching into that fascia. And mm-hmm. that's the best description that I've heard of. I didn't look too far into what it was and all the deep impacts that it has on the other parts of your body. But if there's one thing in my own training week that makes me feel incredibly relaxed, incredibly loose, incredibly, I just feel, I feel like a better person after an hour of yin yoga. Is mm-hmm. that just some of the follow on effects from like a more extended stretch into what's clearly a, uh, a pretty powerful, pretty powerful feature of the body? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, especially with yin yoga too, it's the whole bringing your nervous system back to kind of a more relaxed baseline because we could be within that fight or flight, that sympathetic response, which um, I think honestly with like technology, like I have a bright light shining in my face right now. Like all of those things are stressful for your nervous system. And then we're like, oh, and I should just be able to like lay down and close my eyes and like it all goes away. (laughs) And it's not how it works. And imagine also like with kids and less you know, these are all things that kind of keep us in that sympathetic drive, um, but it's a continuum. So if I can rest like a yin yoga class where I'm focusing on breathing and those long held stretches, which also help to bring your entire nervous system into more of the rest and digest or the parasympathetic nervous system, um, that's all great. What I love about self-massage is that's literally a switch, a physiological switch you can make for your tissues because there are special receptors and nerve endings within your fascia that respond to that touch that take you from that sympathetic into the parasympathetic in a matter of minutes. So it's a similar response to what you're talking about after that whole yoga class, but I can make that shift happen in like four minutes instead. That's a dream. Yeah. I'm telling you, just get like a ball, roll on a ball, especially like on your abdomen. I have an air filled ball that I use for like deep belly breathing and practicing that. And it's intense to begin with, I will say, but Mm -hmm. as you get used to it, like that for like four minutes, I'm just like, okay, cool. I'm ready for bed now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I often, I often feel like I sleep a lot better after I've done something like that. Like in my experience, it's been the yin yoga when I've done Mm -hmm. that relatively close to, to bedtime, which has been nice. I'm just curious, obviously, um, as I said, there's so many different people that you work with, but obviously the, the audience here are distance runners predominantly. If a, if a distance runner lined up a class with you and just said, hey, look, I'm just trying to figure out ways to improve my running performance, where do you even take that conversation? Like what have you got a series of questions that you ask just to just to launch that conversation? Because obviously the world of running, it's such a, uh, you know, there's so many different bodies that, take part in that, that I guess it's difficult as a generalized kind of a statement. But if you've got a, a couple of go-to questions that you are, you get the patient to t- pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I did dabble in running, like I've done a half marathon. I did a, 
I think it was like a 14K because there was chocolate involved <laughs> and a 10K and a 5K. Like I really, really tried. And this was all before I started <laughs> mobility work and like knew anything. So I had a lot of pain with all of those. <laughs> so, what, what half marathon did you do? I'm, I'm also impressed that you ran a 14K. I, I only ever hear people in the US speaking your miles. So you've uh, converted that oh, to the, the run, metric system yeah. nicely. I have no idea how far it was, but I'm telling you, there was chocolate involved. And my friend talked to me. And I was like, okay. Um, also, the half marathon I did, it was the Nike women's half marathon in San Francisco yes, where you right. ran uphill for 13 miles. <laughs> I was like, how is this possible? Yeah. It was miserable. Like my yeah, IT band was like, I couldn't walk right for at least a couple of weeks after. My husband was like, why are you doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I got a cool shirt out of the deal, you know? <laughs> So like I under I understand like the mechanics of running without having to run myself. So I yeah. respect that. Um, where I like to start with everyone is with a mobility assessment. And so, and I'm fully virtual. So how that works is um, I have a series of movements: um, squat, a uh, hip hinge, uh, some shoulder extension, like interlacing your hands behind you and trying to straighten your arms back there um, and like balancing on one foot. So I have people record themselves doing these specific movements and send them to me. And then also the intake is like, what's going on? What hurts? Um, you know, injury history, those kinds of things. And so what I'm looking at in the video is how your major body areas are moving. So if as you're reaching your arms overhead, I'm watching your rib cage go along for the ride so that now your spine is in an arc, I know that your core muscles probably don't know how to stabilize you in neutral. So that's going to be a place we start. Um, if as you're squatting, I'm watching, you know, the knees fall into one another or they're wobbling all over the place. Great. Hips are going to be something that we'll also be focusing on. Um, and then also too, with feet, I feel like that's a place with runners. You're probably thinking about your feet more often, but most people just like stuff them into shoes and like never think about them again. But if the foot itself and the ankle joint aren't moving as they need to be, that's going to have a like domino effect on everything above it as well. So I'm looking for what's moving and what's not moving. And I would say with like 99.9% .9 of people where we start is working on the awareness and strength to keep your spine in neutral while you're breathing and while you are moving your limbs, usually the legs, and then we add the arms on later. Yeah. Yeah. One of the big ones in the running world is, is just, especially for trail runners is rolled ankles. And I actually, mm -hmm. I put myself in this category a little bit. I've, my right angle has has been rolled so many times that it's actually embarrassing. It's, it's like a floppy joint at the moment. I'm just, I'm going through some strengthening, uh, or some stability exercises to try and improve it. But for someone with that, like, what would you recommend I do? Because uh, from what I understand, I've been to a physio and I've spoken to uh, quite a number of people about it. And stability seems to be the the one and I, I might not have been as consistent with it as, as what I probably have as I, as you said like I'm not competing necessarily anymore so I probably haven't had that drive to to really get on top of it um but it's like it's bad sometimes I remember once I sat down on a couch and I sat down on a funny angle and it kind of like popped out of place I was like this is really bad this needs attention <laughs> and you for those of you just listening Alex's eyes almost popped out of the head and that's what <laughs> happens that's, that's always nerve-wracking when you see a health professional's eyes pop out of the head when you tell them a symptom yeah. oh my what, goodness <laughs> what is going on there so is that just ligaments and so I've had an x-ray and from what we can see there's nothing that's been snapped like nothing snapped right. necessarily it's just I think it's just like a 
the way he explained it, it's like an elastic band which has been stretched a little bit now it's just a little bit like like that so is yeah. that a is that something that's treatable? Is it something that's fixable? Because I ask this question not just for my own selfish purposes, but knowing that there'd be plenty of rolled ankles listening out there. Oh, same, 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 same. Um, well, here's a question for you. Is it the same side that you were having that calf tension? No, actually, it's not. It's the opposite side. So I've got my, I've got like a floppy right ankle and I've got, mm-hmm. uh, not anymore, but my left calf has been, has been the problem. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, so similarly in a case of like hypermobility, if the joint itself doesn't have that stability, you're going to use the muscles around it to create stability. So I also, I played soccer growing up. The field at my high school was like go for a whole central. So it's just like accidents waiting to happen. And then of course in high school, they're like, just run it off. And I'm like, okay. Um, so, so many sprained ankles, so many. Um, and there is like, be, so in the ankle, when bone is connected to bone, that's where we have ligaments and tendons are what connect your muscle to bone. So ligaments have poor blood supply as well. So if there is an injury to them, there's not a ton of healing that happens. So that's kind of that descriptor of like, oh, it's like an elastic band that's been overstretched. So if there is a lot of, you know, like chronic repetitive issues like in the ankle, yeah, it's probably not going to be the same as it always was. But working on a lot of single leg balance, barefoot, and also on unstable surfaces. So at home, you know, you could do like a rolled up or not even a rolled up, but like a folded up towel or blanket to have like something squishy to work on. And then do that um, like heel tap exercise I was talking about where you're standing and balancing on one leg and like tapping the opposite foot to the floor. You could do it just in one position. You could do it like as if you're standing on a clock. You've probably seen that exercise uh, I, I think I, this is one that I've done. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. is, I can feel that really like hitting. That's my favorite exercise. That one that you just said. Yeah, like I do the clock formation. So you'd be like, all right, two o'clock, touch two o'clock, yeah. touch one o'clock, whatever. And yeah, uh, if I do that for a couple of minutes, it's I can definitely tell something's working. Yeah. And so if you make the surface you're standing on less stable, so again, like something squishy, like a blanket or whatever, um, then your foot and all of the intrinsic muscles within your foot have to work more. So that's a way, again, if we're thinking of like an activation, that's how I can retrain my brain and foot and ankle to better communicate. So when I am running, I am walking, doing whatever, that brain body connection is improved. Because anytime we've had an injury as well, it's protective. Your body's like, "Mm, that hurt. I don't want to do that again. Let's just like not talk to that ankle, which would be fine, except then you sprain your ankle like 16 more times, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, same. And it's so part of the recovery process, no matter how long it's been is reestablishing proprioception or your body sense of where you are in space. Therapy balls, touch massage help to accelerate that process. And then that activation as well helps to like bring all of those muscles back online. And the best way too is start to incorporate something like that clock tap exercise into your running warm up. So whatever activations, like one I do all the time is um, like a hip rotation type of thing to make sure that my hips and low back and pelvis are all like ready to go before I start lifting weights. And that's just a part of my warm up that I do every time I work out. That's awesome. That's I was going to ask you that question. Like how often should I be doing that? Is that a daily thing that you'd recommend doing for a few minutes? Um, I mean, it, it depends too. Like 
if you pair it with your run, it's going to be more likely that you're going to remember it. Um, things like heel taps, like if I'm talking on the phone, I'm usually doing heel taps because it's just like something to do. Um, so as long as, again, I'm like a nerd. I'm always doing things. I love it. I'm even I like, I, let me show you and I'll describe it. I have like massage sandals, like the little rocks. I'm standing here on these too. Oh, that looks fantastic. They, you got to wear socks or it's way too painful, but there's how you do movement. It's like stacking it to what you're already doing. That See? is awesome. What is, uh, what are those shoes? Um, what are these called? Like acupressure sandals. I have them linked. Um, if you go to aewellness.com slash links, <laughs> they are linked there under gear and resources. Oh, are they yours? But, um, no, they're not mine. They're oh. on Amazon. But... Oh, I was so impressed. I was like, I've never seen those before. <laughs> I was like, how come we haven't been talking about the rock sandals for half of this episode? <laughs> Cause I'm secretly standing on them, but also that like, that's the thing. Is there a phone call that you're doing like with clients within your work, you know, or some way that you can stack and bring that movement variety into what you're already doing. Um, while I brush my teeth, I'm doing stuff like that too, because I just know the more I can move my foot and ankle intentionally, the next time I like trip over an acorn or whatever, <laughs> it's not going to be, it happens, you know, it's not going to be as detrimental because my body is more like prepared for that type of movement. And really too, like that's what mobility is about. I'm doing the weird movements and weird things. So when I am tired or I'm like up in the middle of the night, picking up a kid and I move weird, my body's like, that's okay. We've built up enough to be resilient to that, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. So yeah, you're essentially training for the surprises or the just random movements that happen without you even really meaning to. Because I notice that mm -hmm. at the gym sometimes. One of the I, I never used to warm up, despite everything I know about how important warms up warm ups are in running. I was like, you know what, I don't need it in here. And a couple of times, like I had a, a, a little couple of neck strains, a couple of shoulder strains, and from there I've started to incorporate just some random movements. But one of the ones, and I'm sure you would have seen people do it. You have like an elastic band or, or whatever it is, and you you sort of like mm -hmm. a rotator cuff movement. You know that one? Yeah. And yeah. I don't necessarily uh, know how much stronger I am, but I always feel better going into a workout like that in case, I, I don't know if it's because there's just less of a chance of a nasty surprise if you're trying to lift the heavy weight or what, but there's definitely been a correlation between like the amount of injuries that I've had in the gym and me just taking the time to warm. This has been like a therapy session. For me. I've realized that warm-up <laughs> is my answer personally. I hope the listeners yeah. have felt as much, uh, as, as much help in, in, in this conversation as what I have. But yeah, I like that. I've never really thought about um, training just being to ward off any nasty surprises that might just pop up. And it sounds like yeah. you're a master of it. I've never seen someone do a podcast. Like the stand-up desk was impressive at the start, <laughs> but the fact you're wearing – Pebble shoes. I mean, I put them on, I take them off. I put them on, I take them off. So there's a lot of stuff happening over here. Have you got any? Have you got any other random little uh, uh, pebble pebble shoe equivalents that no one else might know about? Because that, was, that was. I do. Um, there's actually these are also linked at aewellness.com/links. Um, <laughs> there's a product called the Neuroball, which is a. Um, it's. I have it in my bag, but I have to dig around to it. Also textured. So that's the thing with feet too, right? We usually wear socks, we're in shoes, and your feet have enough nerve endings to be as sensitive as your hands, but they're always inside 
a shoe. Um, so any type of texture or, you know, way different ways you can like wake up your feet are going to allow your feet to be more responsive to your environment. So stepping on, um, I also have a standing mat here at my desk that also has textures on it, or I'll step on that neuro ball that I talked about. It's from a company called Rad Roller, um, or even like the therapy balls, like having something under your feet will help too, of just like keeping yourself awake and like engaged and like fidgeting, you know, so all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of things here on the floor. Yeah, the awesome. That's cool. Now your office sounds fun. We, uh, we live uh, the beaches over here and every now and then when I've got a little bit of time, I'll, I'll go for a long walk just in the soft sand, just in bare feet. Yeah. And I started mm-hmm. doing that after a chat with a, a guy called John Quinn, who's a, he's been on the show a few times. He's an exercise physiologist and he was talking about just some of the benefits of what it is that you're explaining, just those random movements. And mm-hmm. what was amazing to me was the next day after I'd done this for the first time, I woke up and my plantar fascias were so sore. It was like yeah. it was like a little uh, a gym workout just for those. Yeah. And I can only assume that what was happening was they were just being activated in ways that they're probably not being touched when I'm just out there in running shoes on pretty stable ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's more movement than they're used to. And it's not bad. It's just like we have to train for that as well. And you know, it's like life happens too, especially when you're an active person. Um, and there's going to be like the, the you know, freak injuries that I can't necessarily control. Like the last really bad ankle sprain, I tripped off a sidewalk at an airport. Like I wasn't oh, even no. doing anything. And it, like, life happens. So what I do with my movement and my mobility is I'm making sure to be like saving away as much in the mobility bank as I can so that when that, you know, credit comes through and I try to use the card, there's enough there to cover it so that my recovery is faster so that the recovery is even like less, um, impactful on the rest of my body, like all of those things. So that when I decide that, like, I, I'm sorry, I can't even finish. I would say when I decide the strength training isn't for me, I was like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> but whatever movement it is, because I feel like so many people have given up specific types of workouts or movements because they've been told that, you know, that's why you're injured and you can't do that anymore. And I just want to be the one who gets to decide on my terms, not because of pain or injury. And that's what mobility work and this body maintenance allows me to do. That's really cool. That's really cool. I was listening to a guy on, do you know, Rich Roll, the podcast? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of his podcast. And he had a, a guy who was a centurion. I think he was 101 at the time he was on the show. And wow. uh, he had him on there because he, the, he was the marathon world record holder for his age group. <laughs> And oh, Rich said, uh, and one of the funniest questions was, Rich was like, how, like, how did you become the best in the world? How did you run the fastest time? He's like, well, in fairness, if you can finish your marathon at my age, you're probably going to be the world record holder. But what I liked about it was this guy throughout his whole life, he had, he hadn't just been a runner. He'd been a, he'd been a rower. He'd, and he'd been involved in so many different kind of movement-based sports that I thought it was interesting that as this was something that he'd invested in uh, for so many years, it was the proof was in the pudding essentially you, you look mm-hmm. at this guy and you're like oh okay well I can see that like not only you're lucky enough to be alive but you're also moving around at a rate that a lot of people in their probably 50s 60s and 70s wouldn't be able to do so so I think I found a lot of hope in that and uh, for me it's like the the investment in my strength conditioning kind of program now is more about that longevity investing in old Tyson mm-hmm. Popplestone 
more than mm-hmm. what it is about um, sport performance. But I guess it, you tick both of those boxes. If you're an athlete, you get the benefits there. If you're a, you know, just somebody who wants to, you know, feel good like yourself and, and myself, it, it ticks that box as well. So it's a, yeah. it's a pretty cool scene that you, you got yourself in, huh? Yeah, yeah, there it is. That's and also, awesome. too, I just want to say as well, if someone's listening and they're like, well, you know, I kind of want to get it back into running or whatever, it's never too late to start. Because even if, it, as we get older, our bodies are slower to respond and those collagen changes are like slower to change, yes, but it your body is constantly adapting to how you move most. And so also like how it feels is a direct reflection of that as well. So it's never too late to get started. It's never too late to like start making changes. And also it's never too early to get started. So like, yeah. yes to all of it. Yeah, that's awesome. And you said you doing virtual stuff so anyone who's in mm-hmm. australia europe us doesn't matter you don't have to be in la for, for you to be a how good's the internet no. it's yeah you can, it. yeah it's so good it works well for for things like this otherwise i would have been waiting a long t- time to do this podcast <laughs> with you as well um really good so obviously aewellness.com is where people can mm-hmm. find you uh you've got a podcast of your own i see what's the name of your podcast for those interested Yes, it's The Body Nerd Show, and I do episodes every week, usually just with me, uh, 15 to 20 minutes, focused on a specific topic with all of the, like, here's what's happening, here's the research that supports it, and here's some exercises that you can do so that you can get back to doing what you want without pain. Yeah, awesome. I also see you got a lot of YouTube videos, but not so many recent ones, so I was going to ask when we're going to see you back up there. <laughs> Well, so all of the YouTube style videos that I make now go into my video vault and my membership movement mavens. So I'm oh, still awesome. making awesome. lots of videos, but we have to work together and then I'll show you all the new ones I've made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Now that's really good. Okay. I didn't realize you had a membership as well. So that's for, mm-hmm. for uh, obviously strength mobility. What are, what are your members getting in there? Yeah, so Movement Maven specifically is for movement-minded uh, females um, who want to move better and feel better. We do live workouts, um, both strength training and also more just like mobility-based kind of things. Um, and then also we do a session every month called the Body Lab, where I, or excuse me, the Brain Lab. It's all, again, very nerdy. Um, here's the anatomy about relaxation, about knees, about plantar fascia, um, and then here's Here's the exercises that you can do to make it feel better as supported by that whole video library that now I think has over, cause I started making YouTube videos back in 2012. So I there's like, I had a look through yeah, three, Yeah. There's a lot, lots of videos in there. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Hey, thank you so much for, for coming on. I appreciate your patience as well. Um, I got to, I got to tell you, you need to get up on a stage and, and, and tell a couple of jokes. I told you, I can't remember <laughs> if we were, um, recording when I, I told you that stand-up comedy is one of my things but I feel like you got a little knack there so if you've got a spare hour in your week you you might be up at flippers maybe I'll be coming with you up there they do have classes I actually I won tickets one time and I never went do it you <laughs> should know. do it it's so, okay, not like you haven't got enough on your plate please honestly <laughs> please do it and please tell me when you do it because I uh I haven't laughed that much on a podcast in a long time so like <laughs> Even just the images well, of you. you tripping over on an acorn. I hope you're okay, but gee, that looked funny in my head. 
<laughs> but it's like you know it too right you're walking down the street and you're probably on your phone or like looking at your dog and there's that stupid little seed pod and then you're like ah it's absolutely happening oh man oh you poor thing <laughs> alex you're a legend that was a lot of fun i really appreciate it um for those of you interested as i said i'll, I'll, I'll link everything in the show notes but uh we'll have to do it again sometime if you're interested because that was that was a lot absolutely. of fun All yeah right. thanks I'll so much for having me no worries. Bye. See you soon. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Relaxed Running Podcast. If you're ready to become a faster, more efficient runner, visit www.relaxedrunning.com.